Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost for the week of November 17th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I am excited yet also kind of pessimistic about this week. These are very difficult texts, and I kind of wonder at why we have such a great gospel text of Luke, and yet we're ending on some very, very difficult text at the end of the year. And I just wonder, why do we have to end on these hard notes? And I kind of get why, because you'll see in these texts, it's a lot kind of end time prediction type of stuff, which kind of leads into Advent a little bit. I just would argue with such a great gospel like Luke, why are we deciding every time to end like this? And I think at times it ends up being kind of a hindrance a little bit to us. But I would also argue in the same breath, it's just as important to be able to talk about and to discuss. And just because it isn't easy to talk about doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be discussed. So with all that being said, it's going to be a fun week. It's going to be a roller coaster, but I think there's a lot of good stuff we can still talk about with this week's text. So before we dive into that, I want to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their sermon brainwaves, their podcasts, their commentaries, hearing from seminary professors who are training pastors is a great way to be able to help you understand and to think about these texts. I know for me, I check out their Sermon Brainways podcast on almost a weekly basis, and since I'm not an ordained minister, it helps me get some direction on how to bring you this podcast week after week. The second plug that I will do is if you haven't checked out God Friended Me, I'd highly recommend that again. I really enjoy that show. I'd argue it's one of the best shows on television, and I think at times we need that simple reminder of how God can use us in our day-to-day lives and where he sometimes shows up when we don't expect it. And that's the beautiful thing about God, and that's the beautiful thing with that show. There's a lot of interweaving, a lot of just showing how character development, and it's really fun to kind of see how a single person's life can affect someone else's in such a dramatic way by just caring in a lot of ways. One final thing before we jump into this week's text is looking at the Twitter question from last week. And the Twitter question from last week was, where do you see us as people getting caught up or hung up on human issues and distracting us from focusing on God issues? And as I was thinking about this, contemplating it, going through it, I think one of the ways that we easily see this happening is in tradition. We love tradition, and at times, almost to a fault, we love tradition. And there are times and points and reasons on why we should love tradition and why we do do tradition. But at times, I think we end up losing the tradition. And the beautiful thing about tradition is that it can bring us together and that it can help unite us and move us forward. But the fine balance that we have to walk with tradition is that when the tradition starts to lose some of its value, when their meaning of certain things hasn't been passed down well, and that we are doing it just to do it, I think that becomes a problem. 
and that becomes a place where we're not necessarily then inviting God into the tradition, or the tradition is becoming hollow because there isn't real meaning behind it. We just do it. And at times, I think when you're doing that, you're sucking joy out of things. And that's where I would argue that that God isn't present in that. And I think that's one of the things that gets to be a very fine balance. And I think the church really wrestles with that. Because especially from the Protestant tradition that I'm from, we love holding on to tradition. And there's a lot of great tradition and there's a lot of good depth. But I don't feel like there's enough people who fully understand why we're doing things that it becomes hollow. And unless we spend the time and really try to help people understand the reasoning, there might be a point where we need to let go of certain traditions to allow the ability for new fresh air or new ideas or new joy to come into worship or to come into the tradition to allow for new life to begin. One other response that I got to that that I think was really good this week was just the reminder and thinking about how God is in control and that we're not. When you're thinking about how often we want to have control, and yet that causes us to panic. And with that, if you're looking through our scriptures, God is in control. That is not our role. And we are not here to panic. Our role is to have the faith through having faith and realizing that God is in control that then we can move forward without the panic. And I think that was a good way of thinking and reflecting on that some to be able to move through that. And I think it's one of the things, especially as we go into this week, we have to think about, is this becoming a human thing or a God thing that we're wrestling with? So let's jump into the text this week. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. And there's a lot of parts to this gospel that I will try summarizing real quickly. But there are some people in the temple that are admiring some beautiful stones that were gifts to God that have been donated. And looking upon this, and that's where Jesus then takes this stance of really not admiring or lifting up these gifts that much because there will be a time when not a stone will be left upon another and that they will be thrown down. And so we get this teacher, when will this be? And he goes into that he was going to leave them, that there'll be just tons of conflict. There'll be nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, great earthquakes, famines, plagues, all these different things, these chaos that is going around. And I'm going to read actually coming from verse 12. But before all of this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your own defense in advance, for I will give you the words of wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by your parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. 
So a very difficult reading. And one of the things that I did misquote last week was talking about the Sadducees. And I would assume in this group, the Sadducees were present. And part of the reason I even bring that up is the Sadducees were the aristocrats, the ones who helped run worship in the temple. And so when you're talking about that the temple is going to be destroyed, this would be very personal to them, feel like a personal attack. And it's the Sadducees that eventually end up leading Jesus to the cross. They're the ones who turn him in, the one trying to kill him. So this kind of feels like a personal attack to them. And yet when we're looking at this, essentially what's coming through is the endurance of faith will prevail, but there will be lots of chaos that's going on, which definitely any time throughout life we can feel like that is going on. But let's move on. We're going to bring this all together. Trust me on this. The first reading this week is from Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 2a. I'm just going to read this again to you. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will not leave them neither root nor branch, but for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Again, this idea of trust in the Lord, the Lord will provide that he's going to be cutting the chaff. He does the dividing of the arrogant and the ones who have followed. The alternative first reading this week is from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. And this is a reminder of who God is, that he created the heavens and the earth and that the people of Israel are going back into the land that was promised to them and that they will be there for an extended period of time and that God will continue to provide in this and that there will be a time of prosperity and that this will also lead to a time of reconciliation that we're going to be seeing the wolf and the lamb eating together the lion shall eat straw like the calf that there shall be no hurt nor destroy on all my holy mountains says the lord that there will be some type of peace that's going on that you can hunker down a little bit into the promised land here The psalm this week is Psalm 98. It's a praise psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Coming from verse 1, that the earth is singing praises to God, that we are giving thanks and praise and all the different ways that we can give thanks and praise to God. For he has continued to provide for us in these times when we have to rely on him. The second reading this week is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. And this is a text where we are getting reminded of not just falling into an idle routine or just being a busybody. Essentially, the idea of that we are called to do more. We are called to be hands and feet of Christ and that through that we have to not become weary, not become disheartened by what we are seeing, but realizing that the Lord is there, that the Lord is providing, and that in due time, 
we will understand and see more of what's going on. And maybe the results that we're expecting to see are different results of what God is wanting to see. But essentially making sure that we're not just keeping traditions alive for tradition's sake, but the idea of that it's still a spiritual experience and that there's this idea of that we are moving toward actually working together to further the gospel, if you want to put it that way. So how does this all come back around to science? And it's something that we've talked about before, but I'm going to approach it in a little bit of a different way. And that's the idea of how can we trust science? Because we've talked about it before. It's actually one of the things that is still going on currently, that there's been lots of studies published that have been groundbreaking studies, but the lack of repeatability within the science field has become extremely frustrating. There's a lot of studies that are essentially going through a formula where they need to have these certain things to get published. And when a lot of universities are pushing their academics to have so many published works so often to keep their name relevant, it becomes difficult and a lot of pressure to keep producing results that they want to see. And the question then becomes, is is this actually good research? Is this good embodiment of what the scientific field is actually finding, is actually seeing? And they're finding it on multiple levels. It's coming from quality control issues with product that they're receiving to begin their studies. It's coming from ignoring certain results and giving some kind of shrugging excuse on why we're ignoring certain results that may or may not actually have solid footing for why we're ignoring those results to end up having some type of positive result. It's been journals having a bias toward having results that are positive instead of negative results. It's then also having a bias of not seeing where people are trying to repeat the results done in another test. A lot of these different things where they may sound mundane, repeating someone else's work, but it's really important. It's important to know that you buy a car and that you expect every morning when it turn the key that it's going to turn on every time or nearly every time. That You're not just turning it on one day and the next day it doesn't start because there was some error in how it does it and so it won't start reliably it's that whole idea and it's a process right now that they're solidly looking at and it's going to be a multiple year process of how do we incentivize how do we as a science community continue to critique our own process and being rational with what is being published and making sure that test results are getting duplicated time and time again to make sure that it's actually good science. I found another video than a TED Talk talking about trusting science. In a way, she compared it to faith, and I found it actually really interesting. I'll attach that down below, also with the SciShow link, talking about kind of some of the different issues that they're having and what they're trying to do to solve, like the ones we just discussed. But part of where her stance comes in on trusting science is the idea that 
a lot of it is coming from observation and that it's not necessarily quote unquote the scientific method like we're taught, but it's this creative problem solving that then is going through our own peers, our own scientific peers within the own field and being critical of it, being realistic that we need to be critical. We need to think critically and ask the questions. Did you consider this? Did you consider that? Have you considered this variable? What about this variable? And it's not necessarily seeing that as a blowout punch, but seeing that as a way to make sure that the stuff has been thought through and being okay with, okay, this is a good start, but we need more data. We need more results. We need more tests in this to really state that this is really what we're observing. We have one test, but we need to make sure that this isn't a false positive, if you want to put it in that light. And if you think about faith, that's a lot of what we have. We have 66 books kind of talking about and discussing how what faith has done for these different people throughout history. And yet we can also see within our own lives, our own personal testimonies, quoting back to the gospel text, of these ways in which God is affecting our lives and seeing the progression of what God is doing. And this becomes our evidence through scriptural texts, through our own lives, to the reasons on why we believe. It's very similar to science, that we're collecting evidence to be able to present and making sure that we have enough evidence and enough results to state that, yes, this thing happened because of this, or this does this, or connecting different things together. It's that type of faith. It's the endurance. It's the patience. It's the continuing to do something in a way at times what might just seem monotonous to make sure and verify that this has happened. And it's that we are doing this on a weekly basis by continuing to work on our own faith and continue the faith walk. That that is the endurance. By your endurance, you will gain your soul from verse 19 of the gospel text. It's this process that is very similar to the scientific process. It's why we keep digging into text week after week after week, continuing to try to deepen our own understanding of who and what God is. What is this whole thing of faith all about? And as we continue to look at things and learn things, we go back to things and suddenly there's new material, new ideas. This is not anything different than what good science is. It's one of the frustrating things right now when we're having trouble duplicating studies. When we're having trouble, we're seeing that we've essentially gotten so excited or had some outside external foe pushing something in science that it's actually causing us to be less concrete. And this is to me not that dissimilar from what Jesus is talking about in verse 8. And he said, beware that you will be led astray for many will come in my name and say, I am he. Or if you look at the Greek, it's I am, I am. And the time is near. Do not go after them. This idea that there's going to be a lot of outside external pressures pushing you, but keeping your faith grounded in what is going on. 
that's one of the things right now when we're listening to this and seeing the scientific field even looking and analyzing this and saying we need to figure out better processes of figuring this out. That's exactly what Christ is calling us to do with our own faith. We have to be at times critical of our own faith and making sure that we are growing and making sure that we are challenging it enough to grow, to understand and to contemplate and to try to understand what all is going on. How does all the pieces come together? And there's going to be pieces that are going to be a little bit where it's a bit of a loose end, but I'm going to have to have faith at this time, trust in that I will eventually have the pieces to put this together at some point. It's that endurance that we gain our soul. It's that endurance that we have faith for. It's then not just doing something just to do it. It's not just the busybodiness. It's maybe the process of, I'm not just redoing a test. I'm redoing a test to verify, to help make sure that my results are true. To make sure that I have repeatable results. But it's, again, one of the beautiful tie-ins between faith and science. There's healthy doubt. In any scientific paper, as we've discussed before in the past, there is a discussion section, which part of that discussion section is thinking critically on what are some of the different variables that you didn't account for. What are some of the different variables that probably could be affecting these results and that could have further testing done on them? And this is the dangerous thing when we don't go back and repeat results we don't repeat tests because you have people jumping off of papers like that looking at these variables and deciding if doing a test on those variables that's why faith and why we look at scriptures together as a book because there's different verifiable accounts to be able to reference across each other as we are trying to understand this god this creator There's lots of sides to him just like people and trying to figure out where do we need to read this literally and where is it the author taking more of a metaphoric approach and how does all this come together to help create our image of God and help shape our faith. The key thing in all this is realizing that answers don't just come quickly. Answers come through lots of tests Answers come through lots of trials. Answers come through lots of analyzing of results. Answers come through time. The biggest thing that I will say that where we can compare these is time and endurance, is that we have to realize that sometimes the things that are going on we're not going to understand in the current time. And there's plenty of examples of where It took time for us to adopt Copernicus' model on the solar system, on that we are not the center of the universe. It took time for us to even be able to test some of Einstein's theories. And we're still working on proving some of Einstein's theories because we didn't literally have the material, the equipment to be able to test his theories. They were hypotheses. They were ideas. That's a lot of what faith to me and how I see faith is very similar. There's a lot of ideas and things that we can feel more concrete about, but there's plenty of academics who are 
throwing around crazy and different ideas of trying to get us to think creatively about God. So in all the chaos and in all this, because of the time what we've put into faith, because of the endurance and the trust of what the results we have from scripture and the results we have from people and the communities around us helps with the endurance of faith. And it's the same thing in science where we're trusting our results but being critical of our results, just like faith talking to people about them, discussing where we may have had issues, wanting to make sure that we're checking our results to make sure that we aren't led astray, to make sure that we're finding good science, good results that are actually helping us figure out and solve different problems. I don't see these two as vastly different this week. And I think it's one of the things that we do this on a day-to-day basis within our own lives. We are critical. We are constantly trying to analyze and source out what is true and what is being stretched. And I hope that we are doing that with our science, and I hope that we are, in a very similar way, doing that with our own faith. So, the Twitter question this week will be, have you thought about the scientific process, the scientific community with writing papers and such? Have you thought about the scientific community being similar to a community of faith? Have you thought about that? explain your answer a little bit. I'd love to hear your results. I'll have it up on our Twitter page on Faith and Sci Pod. Also, I put it also in the email each week, and I'd love to hear a response back from you on what your answers to those questions are. Because I think it's one of those things where we see these at times as opposing viewpoints, but in a lot of ways they are very similar, and especially in this case, I don't see this as that much different. The science community has plenty of pressures from academics to people really wanting answers to things and the pressure of time at times to produce results. And sometimes that leads us astray and sometimes it means that we need to double check our results. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.